This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me for yet another episode. We are at episode 40 already, and today we're talking about how to warm up before your strength sessions. And well, first of all, I have to apologize because Milo is actually in my office as I record this today and uh, he just started licking himself. So you're welcome. I apologize if you can hear that in the background. But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because, you know, recently the the Shred Strong program did start and there's an element to my madness. There's a method to my madness when it comes to actually effectively warming up. And I feel like warming up is one of the most overlooked aspects of training. Yet it's one part of your training session that, that really can help make the rest of your session much more enjoyable, a lot easier, and I feel like it will help leave you feeling less achy and sore afterwards. So why aren't you warming up enough? <laughs> Let's go ahead and ask yourself that. You know, is it, be, is it because of time? You might feel rushed. Maybe your time is limited. You just got off work. You have to go pick up the kids. I mean, who knows? Is it maybe because you're just not sure what the hell to do, which is totally uh, relatable, is it, um, I don't know, let's see, is it maybe because you don't think it's necessary? <laughs> I know that I have quite a few people, especially in their 20s, who might think that, you know, they just don't necessarily need to actually warm up because the warm up, the warm up will take place when they actually start to lift. Well, in this episode, I'm really hoping to shed some light on why an effective focused, effective and focused warm up can bring you much less pain and much more performance in each of your training sessions that you get after. All right. Now, the most effective warm up will help you get into your workout with, again, less stiffness, less pain, less aches, and feeling honestly more keen on actually working out because you're feeling good. And to give you a little bit of background for me in my training, I generally use the PPSC approach to warming up, which is from the pain-free performance certification that's led by the one and only Dr. John Rawson. He's a uh, DPT, so a doctor of physical therapy, and he's one of those few voices that I do trust in the industry just because he's very, he's very much a straight shooter. He'll tell you kind of like it is. Uh, and he also really brings a lot of experience and research to the game. Generally speaking, the PPSC warm-up is traditionally a six-phase dynamic warm-up sequence. But I will be fully honest here, sometimes I do abbreviate those six phases a little bit because, you know, some of my clients are a little bit newer to lifting. And also, let's be real, you're busy, they're busy, but that still doesn't take away from the effectiveness of the overall warm-up, all right? So, I will go ahead and share, you know, the main goals of the warm-up really is that, you know, first, it should help facilitate your motor learning, meaning that your body is learning the movement pattern even more. It's able to kind of get into that deadlift hip hinging pattern, for example, or really you're learning to be able to, to squat effectively. 
that is crucial because the more that we can kind of hone in on these movement patterns, the more you'll actually be able to replicate them in the future with less pains and less movement uh, faults or, you know, issues. Second reason for, you know, a main goal of the warm up is that it should, it should really help to clean up any type of weak spots or, or painful areas that you might have in your body. A third reason that's a goal for the warm-up is that it it should help you physically and mentally prepare you for the work ahead. So kind of like I talked about earlier, it it really should help you feel ready to actually work out. And this is incredibly important, especially if you are coming from a busy work day and things like that, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then last but not least in terms of goals is that all of this that I just outlined should help reduce your overall risk of injury or achiness as well as just reduce your general just fatigue level and things like that. Now I will say before you dive into the six phases, before you even start your workout, I would love it if you would look at the main movement of the day in your training. All right, so pull up your training program, think about what you're going to do that day. And this is basically the main movement that will bring the greatest demand for you that day. So just think about it that way. If you're doing a full body workout, for example, then just think about the biggest uh, one or two movements that you have that day, especially if it's like an upper lower body mix, like say you're doing squats and presses. Great. Those will be your two main movement patterns for that day. And this is what we call the key performance indicator or KPI. And I want you to ask if your KPI is squatting, maybe deadlifting, pressing, pushing, or something else. And basically your KPI is what gives you the warm-up focus for the day. So it makes it easier for you to focus on things instead of feeling like you need to do 10 million things. You're focusing on one or two things, okay? Next, I want you to think about the linchpin for you for the day in order to individualize your warm-up even further. Your linchpin is basically what you consider your biggest limiting factor in your in your training of that KPI for the day. So what is the one thing that you can do to help improve your body a little bit before training in order to make training that much more effective? And I'll give you some examples. If, um, oh, a common one here is if you do have poor shoulder mobility overhead, which is pretty common for most people, especially if you're desk bound then, and maybe you do have overhead pressing as the KPI that day, then reducing your linchpin will help. So thinking about things that will help with that overhead shoulder mobility and really just help get you through that range of motion that much more effectively will help you get the barbell or the dumbbells or whatever weight you're using, sandbag maces, will help you get that weight overhead a little bit more easily. So think about, again, your KPI, your key performance indicator, or your key movement of that day that will bring you the most uh, exhaustion, basically, or will bring you the the greatest challenge that day. And then what is your linchpin related to that KPI? Think about those two things before every workout session in order to really create create a solid warm-up for yourself. And then the next thing to think about before you even start phase one of the warm-up is to think about how, how stressed you might be. Uh, in that particular moment. If if stress is particularly high, then aim for doing some crocodile breathing or uh, ooh, my favorite is the 90-90 supine breath work. And the reason for that is just 
it helps you release some crap from your day. (laughs) So your CNS or your central nervous system can then enter a little bit of a parasympathetic state from the stressed out sympathetic state that you might be in. This is incredibly important, especially for people who do work out after work. So they have all that crap built up (laughs) from their actual workday and the stress is maybe elevated and built up over the course of the day. And now you're getting ready to stress stress your body out a little bit more, even though it is a a positive stressor through the workout, but just to give yourself that moment to kind of chill out a little bit for just a few moments before you do start to work heavy. That way the workload doesn't feel as heavy or demanding when you get into your workout. That's why it's important to get into that parasympathetic state or the the relax and digest type of state from the stressed out sympathetic state. All right, so doing some, again, crocodile breathing or my favorite 90-90 supine breath work, just just search it on YouTube. Um, actually, Dr. Russin, he even has some stuff uh, that is specifically for 90-90 supine breath, supine breath work that is stellar. And that in and of itself will take you like a minute, just one minute, 60 seconds. I think everyone has 60 seconds in their day in terms of just really helping them release some stress and anxiousness before the workout session. So let's get into phase one. Phase one of the six phase warm up is when you're doing any type of self myofascial or myofascial release, or I call it SMR. I'm not actually used to saying the whole the whole word <laughs> self myofascial release. Uh, so it sounded weird, but let me just call it SMR for e- for ease, and you can laugh at how I pronounce things. Um, but SMR techniques are are what comes in handy for the phase one. And, you know, this is, again, when you need to think about your KPI, your key performance indicator or movement that day, and your linchpin, so your limiting factor, and do some foam rolling on that area. For example, if you're if you're working on squats, then roll the quads out. Uh, now, there there is ideally two phases to the SMR segment that can help you. And one is where the foam roller moves under you, and one is where the foam roller is is more static, and you're pinning and tacking your body over it to release any tension, okay? So that's generally the two phases. So I will, you know, full disclosure, sometimes for my clients, I do go ahead and eliminate one of those, and I just focus on one of those foam rolling segments. But ideally, this should only take you about 120 seconds total. I mean, that's like two minutes. And... The key here is not to hang out on the foam roller for five to five to 10 fucking minutes before you work out, which is something I see so often. And then people are wondering why they're not really able to kind of like activate and move and, and really like hammer their workout hard. It's because they're hanging out on their foam roller for like up to 10 minutes. Ideally, you just want to stay on your foam roller for about one to two minutes per side. And that will, that will help lessen, loosen you up rather, uh, and release some tension before you start lifting. Now, the key here with foam rolling is staying tense, so, so engaging your core, engaging your, your upper body. If you're rolling out your quads, for example, you know, engage, drive those elbows in a little bit more. If you're on your, your forearms uh, while you're foam rolling your quads, for example. So increase the tension on the foam roller by en- making that engagement and, you know, with your core and your upper body to support yourself on the roller. I don't want you to get all loosey-goosey. I want you to be intentional. And being intentional is a common thread you're going to hear through a lot of these phases that I'm talking about. But ideally, I want you to ask yourself where you want less tension in your body and greater range of motion. And that will usually tell you where you where to roll and do some SMR. Now, the next phase is dynamic stretching. So phase two is dynamic stretching. 
uh, this this should be focused on again the keep the KPI. So whatever that main movement is the day that day, as well as any tight area areas on your body first. So these sessions should maybe take you about 15 to 30 seconds of dynamic movement, maybe per side, depending on if you're doing it, you know, bilaterally and things like that. Um, and that dynamic movement should help you get a little bit more in the range of motion that you need for the day. And I'm going to use squats as an example because they're one of my favorite movements. But if you're getting ready to squat, then great. Maybe you should do some 90-90 hip openers, you know, or dynamic couch stretches for the hip flexors, or maybe some ankle stretches that will help your ankles get into that dorsiflexion position, dorsiflex position rather, for your squatting. And while you're stretching, so still in phase two, you're stretching, while you're doing these dynamic stretching, so it's not static, you're not hanging out for 30 seconds in one movement, you're dynamically moving. So you're going through that whole range of motion. You're moving through that entire ankle for ankle movement, for example, or you're, you're in the couch stretch, but then you're going back and forth. So you're just holding each little section for like one to five seconds, but for a total of 15 to 30 seconds, okay? Now, while you're doing those stretches, it's a really good opportunity for you to do some deep belly breathing because again, we're in the first two phases of the six phases, and this is a good block for you to get into that parasympathetic and kind of chill the chill the F out, especially if you're working out later in the day and you just kind of need to relax uh, and ease into things. Or this is also really optimal if you're working out in the morning. You just woke up, maybe an alarm woke you up, you're a little startled, you're having to kind of maybe, maybe take care of the kids, maybe take care of the dog or the cat or whatever, and then you're trying to get to the gym early in the day. So, you know, you're, you're having a little bit of uh, elevated stressors and things like that with that. So this is where it's really good to do those first two phases. Get into that parasympathetic phase. All right, phase three. This is the corrective part. No, I don't want you to become a freaking corrective exercise guru or any of that other BS. Um, but it is wise for you to work on any weaknesses or compensations that you might have in this phase. And again, you're looking at focusing on your linchpin for the KPI that day. All right. So ask yourself what your linchpins, what are your limiting factors? What are your limitations? What are your previous, what's your previous medical history? Do you have an ACL replacement? Especially if you've maybe had an ACL replacement that, uh, I don't know, takes like a piece of your hamstring or maybe uses a cadaver or something like that, Uh, not to be grotesque or anything like this, but I'm just trying to think of like things that I commonly see with my clients that can, can cause like uh, some limitations. And I only want to say limitations in a negative way because you're not broken, but can cause some things that you just need to focus on for your training sessions. All right. So ask yourself those things. Common themes that I know I see are definitely involving like thoracic mobility. And I see that even in myself. Uh, lower cross syndrome. If you're a trainer, you'll understand what I'm talking about with this. And then especially any type of scapular movement and stability. And I see that primarily in my mountain bikers that, that I, that I work with, especially if they have any type of shoulder injury, previous shoulder injury, broken clavicle, things like that. This phase, phase three should again, only take you about maybe two minutes. And some examples of corrective exercises include things like dead bugs, bird dogs, um, what else do I do? Bear, bear crawls. Bear crawls are great. Uh, any type of like quadruped, like thoracic rotation. So you're really helping to work on that thoracic, uh, spine area. So your mid back, 
um, side planks. Side planks are incredibly good as well as hip thrusts and other movements, but really, you know, these are the most common things that I see. And I will say that, you know, something that Dr. Dr. Russin really talks about is that these are some of the, the main correctives that honestly, everyone should really be able to do and quote unquote master, you know, for lack of a better word to put it. But those are some really great things to just get used to moving your scapula, moving your shoulder blades, you know, getting that stability and then correcting any type of core, uh, you know, or hip, especially like hip pelvic area weaknesses that you might have. That's where phase three, the corrective part really comes in handy. The next phase is activation. So now you're getting into going from parasympathetic for the first couple phases into really just moving your body and becoming a little bit more dynamic. So you're starting to kind of get into a corrective state of mind. Okay. And phase four is activation. So this is when we're really trying to develop the mind muscle connection that to get that really glued together before you start lifting heavier or pushing your body more further on in your workout. Now the activation phase is really when you want to want to work blah, 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 blah. when you want to work on increasing uh, your overall stability in your body, and this is when breathing and bracing throughout your body and staying tight and being intentional is so incredibly important. And honestly, here in this phase, in the corrective phase, you're really aiming for the quality of your movement here, and it should go alongside the corrective movement that you just did. So, you know, if it's any type of bird dogs, great. You kind of want to work with that. And really in this phase, you're, you're only looking at maybe three to five sets with really short rest. And that's what's really optimal. And I will say this is also a great time for some bandit shoulder work like pull aparts or face pulls and pass throughs, things like that. Um, are really ideal as well as like, you know, bandit glute bridges or single leg glute bridges for some sort of emphasis on, you know, correcting or activating the hip area. Cause again, the hip pelvic area really popular in terms of like, I don't want to say weaknesses, but you know, sometimes just that glute activation can kind of be a little bit sleepy. So let's, let's work on that. <laughs> uh, other things that I really like are like bandit straight arm pull downs. So you're hinging at your hip, you have the band tied up, you know, above your head, and you're really just doing some straight arm pull downs to help activate your lats and things like that. And then we get into phase five. So the last two phases are make up the last block of your warm up, And this is where you're really getting into stimulating your body to work out. Okay. So phase five includes warming up any type of foundational movement patterns that you, that you're working on. So think about your KPI, you know, if it's squatting, then your movement pattern that you need to work on foundationally speaking is a squat. So, you know, think about what is the primary movement pattern? Is it squatting? Is it hinging, uh, upper body pushing and pulling? Think about what those movements are. And then use this phase, this fifth phase to, to check in, to see how you're feeling before lifting heavier or with greater resistance and, and use about three to five sets or excuse me, three sets of about, you know, three to five reps is usually ideal. And again, you're aiming for quality of the movement. This is not for time. This is not a CrossFit wad. It's not something that you're doing for, for, you know, on the, on the stopwatch, you're really, again, aiming for quality. And this is where it's, it's really good to emphasize the eccentric or, you know, the negative part of the movement. So I'll use squatting as an example, of course, because that's just my, you know, MO today. 
if you're thinking about squatting, then drive through your heels and, and feel your hamstrings as you actively pull yourself down into the squat. So with your squat, you're not, you're not supposed to just drop into a squat and I'm not calling anyone out who might be listening. Um, because I honestly, like a squat should be an active movement as you go down into the bottom of your squat. So try this the next time you squat. I want you to just feel your heels, you know, feel your heels and midfoot in, in the ground. And then I want you to actively like pull through your heels to pull yourself down into the bottom of the squat. So focusing on that eccentric or negative part of the movement is really going to be key to warming up that foundational movement pattern for squatting, for example. Okay. Now the sixth and final phase includes central nervous system or, or your CNS stimulation through some sort of power movements. And this is generally accomplished through either some sort of like, what did Dr. Rustin say? Like it's a high, I think he calls it like a high velocity, um, movement or a maximum tension movement. So high velocity movements are really going to be things like jumps, uh, any type of jacks like seal jacks are really popular. Any type of throws, especially with like med balls or weights or something like that, uh, sprints. And then with the maximum tension movement, that's really what comes into play is like isometric stuff. Okay. Um, Oh, other like high velocity stuff is like depth jumps, uh, some skipping, like broad jumps, things like that. So this really helps ramp up your CNS or your central nervous system to freaking work during your training session. And I'll give you a good example. I know I've been talking about squats all day. I won't talk about squats anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe I will, who knows, (laughs) but a good example would be before upper body pressing or like benching days or pushing days rather, um, doing like three sets of 20 seal jacks followed by quickly followed by three to five reps of like a bent over med ball or medicine ball throws to the ground. That is going to be phenomenal for stimulating you to freaking work. So it's taking you now out of that parasympathetic state that you've already established earlier in the phases of the warm up to now bringing you to a sympathetic and work state because you're stimulating your CNS before you work out. And you know, it's, it's meant to be fast and stimulating. And, and then another option, like I mentioned earlier is isometric work. And that can include things like ISO holding, like holding the barbell isometrically overhead in a press and actively pressing through that barbell. I'm doing it as I'm, as I'm doing, as I'm talking, actively moving and pressing up and really just engaging those shoulder stabilizing muscles and things like that. Um, or, you know, doing like a rack pull in a deadlift, you know, just things like that. Um, now generally these ISO holds should be about, you know, maybe three to seven seconds long for like three sets. So it's just enough again to get in that more tension. Tension is the key here. Tension and intention and intention are the keys, uh, in everything because how you do something is how you do everything, right? So the more intention you're able to bring your workout and your warm up is, is the, the greater intention you're able to bring your workout overall. All right. So ultimately whatever you do, just try to spend at least 10 to 12 minutes 
I mean, literally the six phase warm up. I know it sounds like a hell of a lot of sh- shit, but it, it, it should only take you about maybe 12 minutes, like plus or minus like a minute or two. So, you know, my warm ups generally take me about 10 to 12 minutes because I do, I do abbreviate them just slightly because after my workout is when I'm really trying to maybe do a little bit more focused intention on my foam rolling and things like that. But whatever you do, I want you to just next time you work out, try to spend at least 10 to 12 minutes adequately warming up before you get into your main movement, main movements of the day. And, and you'll, I think you'll notice, I almost guarantee that you'll notice a marked difference in any pains or aches and really just your ability to perform better in your training session overall. So I'm going to go ahead and recap real quick because I know it's a lot, but, um, as a recap, the six phases look like this. So the first phase is SMR techniques. So foam rolling, things like that. The next phase, phase two is dynamic stretching. Again, dynamically holding. This is not a static stretch where you're sitting there for like 30 second max hold to three minutes hold. You're moving through it. You're pulsing through that stretch for like 15 to 30 seconds. All right. Um, Total. And then the third phase is corrective based movements. So corrective based movements, thinking about what are some things that you need to work on for your linchpin and your KPI that day. You know, again, just think about some things like side planks, hip thrusts, spare crawls, dead bugs, bird dogs, all of that stuff. Okay. Uh, The fourth phase is stability based activation. So this is when we're trying to get, again, your mind muscle connection, breathe and brace throughout your whole body. Stay, stay tight, be freaking intentional. Again, only three to five sets with a short rest is optimal. And this is where you can do things like bandit glute bridges, single leg glute bridges, you know, to emphasize your hips area or like do any type of, of bandit, you know, straight arm pull downs or whatever, like the bandit shoulder work that I freaking love to do, like bandit pull aparts and face pulls and pass throughs and things like that. So that's where we're really getting into, you know, just getting that stability activation going. And then phase five, this is where the warm up really starts to get more interesting. This is where you're warming up the foundational movement pattern for that day. So thinking about the KPI for that day, great. If it's squatting, great. Maybe you're doing some goblet squats to really warm up and eccentric goblet squats. So you're only doing just a handful of reps, like sets of three to five reps, you know, maybe three sets of three to five reps is usually ideal and really emphasizing that negative part of the movement get that mind muscle connection going again. And then last but not least, phase six, this is where you're, this is where, you know, you're, you're stimulating, um, you're stimulating yourself before you work out. Mm, That sounded weird. Sorry. Uh, you're stimulating your CNS before your workout. That sounds better. Uh, A little genism for you there. You're welcome. Uh, but this is where you're, you know, you're using power movements to get that CNS going and you're doing some depth jumps and you're doing, you know, seal jacks, you're doing some quick jacks or jumps or broad jumps or skipping or something. Uh, even weighted, uh, jumps are really great. Or you're doing some isometric work, you know, so one or the other where you're really getting, you're getting your CNS revved up to work again. All right. Awesome. That's the six phase warm up that I love to use. If you feel like you need to cut anything from this, try not to at first, you know, because again, this should maybe take you 12 minutes. All right. And 12 minutes is really nothing when you're thinking about a 45 to 60 minute training session. Uh, and it can, again, it can make 
it can give you some intentionality behind your training and can help you ultimately just own your training session, you know, own your, own your intention with that training session and make you feel so much better and feel like 10 times better even afterwards. I, I can't emphasize enough how much this, this really works, but, but I would try not to minimize anything or take or cut any corners at first. And then if, you know, if push comes to shove, great. And you need to maybe, you know, move some stuff around then by all means do, but keep in mind, a lot of this stuff is going to work your core, you know, is going to, especially the stability-based activation or corrective-based movement phases and phases three and four, like those will definitely work your core because you're doing things like planks or side planks or, you know, hip thrusts or whatever, glute bridges, that stuff really comes in handy, um, to help you work your body to the point that you want for your overall performance. Okay. So give that a try, friends. Let me know how it goes. If you liked this episode and you found it really helpful, please share it. Oh man, sharing is caring here. And I would love to hear, you know, how you thought about this episode. What are, what are your big takeaways? Shoot me a DM in Instagram at Shift Human Performance. You can always drop in my email box, jen at shifthumanperformance.com. It means a lot to me, but definitely give this a share. Give this a like, follow, you know, please subscribe. And please, if this is a five-star experience, (laughs) then give me a rating and a review online. That will help me get to more people, and I'd be forever grateful for that. I really appreciate all the reviews that I've gotten so far and all the the feedback. I love hearing from friends I haven't seen in probably close to 20 years, and they're listening to my podcast right now. So thank you, friends. You know who you are. Um, But yeah, until next week, I hope you have a beautiful day, and you're getting out and riding and warming up effectively before your strength training sessions. Bye.